So we've been talking about uh, some of the miracles the Lord did in, in the past where he uh, spittle and healed their, their eyes and their ears and their tongue and their speech and so forth. So we're looking at another uh, healing that he did, another miracle that he did. And we'll start in uh, Matthew chapter 9. We read this this morning, but I want to go back to what we use as our text as well. And this is a, a healing or a miracle just as much as the other ones. And uh, at first glance, we, might not, we may or may not see how it applies to us, but certainly the scriptures, uh, if, if we don't see how it applies to us, then we're certainly missing the teaching uh, that is there. So I'll go back over the three places that we read this morning, and we'll kind of continue on uh, from there. So Matthew chapter 9, and in verse 20, And behold, a woman who had been diseased with that issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be well. But Jesus turned about when he saw her and said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee well. And the woman was made well from that hour. So we talked about that this morning and, and how... The world is just looking for occasions to, to boast. We had one of the speakers, maybe it was Lynn, that, that talked about faith. And, uh, but our Lord is the author and the finisher of our faith. So all the way through, so nothing, as we look at faith, we're not to boast in it. We're to be grateful and thankful, but not to boast in, in, in faith. So I know the world would look at this and, and tell about all the faith that she had and everything and, and give her, us, the honor and glory. But as we said, there's a lot of things took place before this faith here that speaks about kicked in. First of all, the, before the Lord went into these towns and cities, he'd sent his disciples two by two so they would go preaching before the Lord came. So, so this woman had spiritual life, had hearing ears, seeing eyes, Sometimes I get that backwards and I see the ear, have the ears seeing and the eyes hearing. But anyway, but so she had both of those. So whenever they came through, she had heard and uh, about the Lord and everything. So now here he was. So she came to him for her healing. And then we see this uh, also in Mark chapter 5. Now... In this particular healing, uh, he didn't make spittle or, or anything like that, even touch her as far as that goes. As we see before, he didn't have to touch them. He would heal even from a distance uh, sometimes, so he could do it any way that he wanted. So uh, Mark chapter 5 and verse, starting verse 25, the same account here. And a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And we, we talked about that a little this morning, got ahead of ourselves again maybe. But So as far as you and I, 
we, the Lord brings us to this place. As we look at our salvation, salvation of our soul, there are many things that we're saved from, but I'm talking about the salvation of our soul. We go and, and we exhaust everything we have. Doing the best we can, turning over a new leaf, all these things that you hear taught by many. But are you, we come to a point then, like she did, she, she spent all she had, tried everything that man had, and uh, didn't get better, but rather grew worse. As I mentioned this morning, whenever we're in this position or condition that we think that we can be healed through our works, our abilities, our turning over new leaf, all that, we're in fact getting worse because that's Satan's doctrine. I, I, I. So we see this is the, the position that the Lord had brought her to. And uh, so in verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus... So there again, she was a, a living sheep. She had spiritual life. She had hearing ears. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the crowd behind and touched his garment. So uh, she didn't pray to him. She didn't say anything. She just touched his garment. Uh, it says... For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be well. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed, or healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched me? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude uh, crowding thee, and sayest, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him uh, of the truth. So we mentioned that this morning. Why was she uh, fearing and trembling? Well, because under the law of Moses, she was unclean. She was not to be out in crowds. She was not to be touching people and touching things because she was considered unclean. Uh, by the law of Moses. So she was fearing and, and trembling because she had broken the letter of the law. Not the spirit of the law, but the letter of the law. Uh, and then uh, let's, uh, let's look at it in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And... Verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, who had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed by any. And again, I think the Lord brings his sheep to that position that we say... You know, I, I can't make it. I remember myself years ago, and uh, Linda, I would uh, 
I had a, a, a desire, and, uh, but I didn't have understanding. And I thought, well, I thought, self, <laughs> just go to Genesis 1, 1, start, and read it. And then you understand it, self. But I got in the law of Moses and everything, and all, and the letter of the law, and I didn't see grace in the law of Moses. All I saw was the letter uh, of the law. And then I thought, well, there's, you know, there's no way. So that's where the Lord brings us to that place. There's no way for us. And then he calls us to see the way as he opens our ears and, and our eyes. Uh, let's see. Uh, And then verse 44, uh, well, let me read 43 again. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years who had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed by any, came behind him, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? And this wasn't that he didn't know. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude crowd thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive the power is going out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. There again, because she'd broken the letter of the law. She was unclean. She was not to be out in crowds. She was to be separate from this because she's unclean. Uh, she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him and declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee well. Go in peace. So we see these uh, accounts here. So we don't hear, we don't see uh, the spittle or clay or anything like that. In fact, he didn't touch her at all. We have this unclean thing touching his clothing. And not just his clothing. Uh, let's see, is this the place that says it? Uh, anyway, she touched the hem of his garment. Go to uh, uh, Numbers chapter 18. We'll see this. Uh, in the law of Moses, and our Lord was wearing uh, the proper apparel. Numbers chapter uh, 15. And we'll see this one particular area of the garment is what she sought to touch. Numbers 18 and verse 37. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes on the borders of their garments throughout all the generations, and, and that they put upon the fringes of the borders a cord of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it. And let me read this a little slower. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, 
that you may look upon it. And remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to play the harlot. That ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So here, so it was uh, under the, the law, their apparel, they were to put fringes on the borders of their garments. And it was to that they were to look on this and it says, seek not after your own heart. So that was to remind them of who God was. And one of the things was, Seek not your own heart. We kind of need that in the world today because all religion is seeking their own heart, aren't they? But this is what this woman saw, and this is what it represented, that you would seek not your own heart nor your own eyes, which used to play a heart. Of course, Israel was going after all the gods of the nations that was there before them. So this woman... She had been seeking all of her heart. She had been seeking all of her ways. Spent all of her living on physicians. Done everything she could do. And then there was nothing left of man. So when she saw him, that's where she went for the hem of his garment. Which was to remind them not to seek after your own heart and your own eyes. So looking to the Lord. And that's the place that he brings us. But as we look at this to understand, as we mentioned this morning, we don't look at her condition. We don't look at her, uh, the disease. We're not looking at that. We're looking at the results of this condition. That's, I believe that's the key to our understanding of this. What was the results of her condition. We know that she had this condition. Uh, she had this issue of blood, but the results were unclean. So let's look at it from that viewpoint. She was unclean. Uh, I think we looked at this morning in Leviticus, but so being unclean, and they could be unclean from different things. They touched a dead body, uh, a leprosy, they were unclean. Many things would render them unclean. So her condition here, she was unclean. There was no sacrifice or offering while she was in this unclean condition. In fact, she couldn't offer sacrifice. She couldn't go to the sanctuary in this unclean condition. Now, after she was made well, and we may, uh, may or may, well, we probably won't read that, but after she was made well, then they could go and, and offer a sacrifice and so forth, but not while they were in this unclean condition. So in this unclean condition, had to be separate from everybody, Everybody that touched her or things around her was unclean, couldn't go to the sanctuary, couldn't offer sacrifices, or couldn't offer acceptable sacrifices, maybe I should say it that way. And she had been this way for 12 years. 
Don't know how old she was. But been this way for 12 years. So in this condition, couldn't even go to the uh, sanctuary. Uh, and then so we said, well, how does this uh, mean anything to us today? Well, Isaiah said, we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Uh, Isaiah says, from the sole of feet to the top of the head, wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, which would make you unclean. Uh, and we, well, we brought this out this morning, too. Let me go ahead and mention this again. So, we're in this unclean condition. I, what Isaiah said is true. We're in this unclean condition. That's what we are. We're all as an unclean thing. I hope you don't feel that you're an exclusion to that. We're all as an unclean thing. We talked about Chuck's pig named Bacon this morning. And if, if they'd left Bacon alone, he was able to have piglets. Uh, but anyway, they didn't. So, but... A swine is an unclean thing. So if there was going to be offspring from bacon, it's not going to be a cow, it's not going to be a calf, it's not going to be a goat, it's going to be an unclean thing. And Job said, who can bring a clean from an unclean? No, not one. So what we mentioned is Adam and Eve fell, become unclean, and we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. We have a blood disease, if you, if you will. And some will say, well, I'm, you know, gonna, I'm gonna clean myself up, make myself presentable. And then Job said to that, if I wash myself with snow, make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch, and my own clothes shall whore me. And you realize who Job was. He was the most perfect and upright man on the face of the earth. If he can't clean it up, don't believe we can. So we shouldn't look to our own heart for being healed or cleansed from this uncleanness. Don't look to ourselves on that. Uh, if we, again, that fringe of that garment was to remind them not to look to their own heart. But if we look to our own heart, if we look to our own selves for this cleanness and everything, how much confidence do you have in that? Well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I'm better than this person. Anyway, that's what we hear a lot. But we're pretty sorry creatures in ourselves. Uh, I mentioned this morning that... Uh, Brother Olson was teaching, and I don't know the exact lesson. It was out in the old building, and he'd compared us with grasshoppers and things. And I remember this one individual afterwards, I remember the conversation, they just didn't like being compared to a grasshopper or a donkey or something unclean. And as I was studying today, recalling what I'd said, that uh, this person didn't like being compared with that. And I could see the smile on some of the, because I said, you know, we don't have large crowds here. It's not popular 
being saved, well, you're a swine, you're a donkey, you're a grasshopper. But I could see the delight in people's faces this morning is, yeah, and then they're okay with that. Because why? Well, because it glorifies the Lord and not ourselves. Uh, I think I'll go Numbers chapter 18. Uh, let's see. Well, actually, no, let's go to Exodus 13 first. Exodus 13. And I love the scripture. And Gene, Brother Raymond introduced me to the scripture. He'd come up uh, one Sunday. He's going to teach Sunday morning, Sunday night. So I spent the whole day with him. And this is one of the scriptures that the Lord used Raymond to reveal to me. And it's been very dear to me ever since. So in Exodus chapter 13, so we're talking about unclean things and so forth. Exodus 13 and verse, uh, let's go back to verse 11. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of Canaanites, as he swore unto uh, thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it unto thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the womb, and every firstling that cometh of beast, which thou hast, uh, the male shall be the Lord's. And so they were to sacrifice the firstborn, the male, of all the, the beasts and everything uh, to the Lord. This was uh, a, a commandment. So there was, you can imagine all the great, many sacrifices that Israel offered as they went into the land of promise. But then verse 13, we start to get into some of the specifics of this. And every firstling of an ass or donkey colt, unclean beast, thou shalt redeem it with a lamb. So he told him, uh, you know, you offer the firstling, the male that opens the womb, you offer it to God. It's God you offer to him. But this says, I'll call it a donkey, an unclean beast. You don't offer it to God. Well, of course you wouldn't. It's an unclean thing. Of course you wouldn't offer that to God. And that's what he said. You don't, you don't offer it. You uh, redeem it. It says, uh, and shall redeem it with a lamb. If, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break its neck. So it was fit for destruction. And he says, you uh, uh, redeem it with a lamb. Now, the owner here, the master, not the little donkey, could make a choice. The owner, the master, could make a choice. He could redeem it with a lamb. It would live. The other uh, alternative was break his neck, destruction. The unclean beast had no say in this. It is what it is or was what it was, but it was not suitable to be offered unto God for acceptable sacrifice. It's unclean. It was not suitable to be sacrificed unto God. It couldn't change what it was. The master would make the decision whether to save it or fit for destruction. But the, the donkey had no choice in it. Uh, and then it says... Uh, 
At, well, I'm going to read that verse 13 again in its entirety. And every first leg of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. So, uh, says you redeem the children. You don't offer the children. Well, why not? We say, well, you wouldn't offer the children. Why not? They're too good? Is that the reason they didn't offer the donkey? Was it too good? It was deemed an unclean thing by God. And that's why they didn't offer it. So here, man, you're to redeem it. Why not offer it? Well, it's too good. No, it's not good enough. What is man, according to Isaiah? We're always an unclean thing. All our righteousness are filthy rags. So you don't offer man not because it's too good, but because we also are an unclean thing. So it must be redeemed. Or fit for, let me just say this, eternal destruction. Yes, I believe there is a place of eternal destruction. But the Lord is the one, the master is the one that makes that choice, that makes that decision. It just happens our master did that before the foundation of the world. So uh, part of my point here is I said, you know, if we look at ourselves for this redemption and everything, you know, we're not looking at, at much. So is it really flattering to be thrown in the category of an unclean beast? Because that's the category we're thrown in. We're not fit to be sacrificed unto God. Now Israel, I believe, made some of their sons pass through the fire. You'd think that'd be the best in sincerity. Well, maybe the best in sincerity, and undoubtedly it was, but they was offering something unclean. So there we are. We are uh, uh, compared to an unclean beast. That's the category we're in. So there's no way for that. Must be redeemed. And uh, now I think let's go to Numbers uh, 18, maybe. Numbers 18. And 15, saying, you know, about the same thing. Everything that opens the womb in all flesh... Which they bring unto the Lord, whether it be of men or of beast, uh, shall be thine. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man thou shalt surely redeem with the firstling of an... Uh, uh, let me read that again. The firstborn of a man shalt thou surely redeem, and the firstling of an unclean beast shalt thou redeem. So they would be... Again, man was in the same category as the unclean beast. But now, so we're compared to... An unclean beast. But if we go down to verse 17, we're, we're not compared to these. But the firstling of a cow, or the firstling of a sheep, or the firstling of a goat, thou shalt not redeem. They are holy. Thou shalt sprinkle their blood upon the altar, 
and shall burn uh, their fat for an offering made by fire for a sweet savor unto the Lord. So I'm not trying to flatter man here. We're not even to be compared with the cows and the goats and things. Unclean beasts. Don't look on that for our redemption. So men in a natural state, that's what we are. And again, Isaiah puts us in that same category. We're all as an unclean thing. I'm going to go back to Exodus again in chapter 13. And again, I was so blessed when uh, Raymond, the Lord used Raymond to reveal this to me. But Exodus 13 again. And now let's uh, go on uh, a little farther in verse uh, 14. And it shall be when thy son... So this is after uh, that said, uh, well, 13, Every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. If thou redeem, will not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And the firstborn of a man among the children shalt thou redeem. And it shall be, when thy son asks thee in time to come, saying, What is this? That thou shalt say unto him, by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice unto the Lord all that opened the womb, being males, but all the firstborn of the children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand and the frontless between thine eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt or saved us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand. Uh, so we look, we as an unclean thing, by God's grace, cause us to look for a redeemer. Realize we're fit for destruction. The only way for us is if the master redeems us. And uh, Job said, I know that my redeemer liveth. So we ask, do you know your redeemer? Surely we don't think it's within ourselves. We're not... We, we read a little bit of scriptures that tells us what we are. Surely we don't think our redemption is in ourselves. Anything we do, anything that we are, is not in ourselves. But many do not know. You, I, uh, I flip on the television every Sunday morning while I'm getting ready. The Lord says, I can't listen to that anymore. But usually we listen to some of that. And they don't know. Oh, they'll talk about a redeemer. Well, very little do they talk about him actually. But everything is pointing and looking to us. But they don't see what we are, do they? So what's keeping us from destruction? What's keeping us from having our necks broken, if you will? What is our redemption? I know the world thinks it's through their works and things. Peter says it so well in 1 Peter, and I know it's familiar, but I'd like to go look at it. 1 Peter 
chapter 1, he says it so well. Not only what we're redeemed with, but what we're not redeemed with is very important. So 1 Peter chapter 1 and... Again, I know it's very familiar to all of you, and I thank the Lord that it is. So, what are we redeemed? I know back there they were redeemed by a lamb. Uh, but what were they redeemed? What are we redeemed by? So, in 1 Peter 1 and 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father. So he starts out here telling us, okay, this is, I'll tell you how you're not redeemed. You're not redeemed by silver and gold, redeemed by tradition from your fathers. Well, what's that? Do we, what, what was that about? So you wasn't redeemed, this, why, why would anyone think that they were redeemed by silver and gold? A lot of television preachers, well, I won't go into that. But anyway, why would we think? Why would anyone, why would they think? I mean, Peter says this for a reason. He says, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you how you were not redeemed. You weren't redeemed by silver and gold. And then he goes on a little farther. This silver and gold received by traditions from your fathers. What did they receive by tradition from their fathers? That they would think that they were redeemed this way. What would make them think that? Well, what they received by tradition from the fathers was the letter of the law. And uh, I want to go read that. Hold your place here. We'll be coming back to this in Peter. But in Exodus chapter 30, we'll see where they could get this from. Unless the Lord opened their eyes to it. So under the law, this was something the Lord uh, uh, gave them. And uh, you can see why they would think that you were redeemed by silver and gold. Because it's, uh, well, let me read it. Exodus 30 and verse 11. So I believe this is why Peter said, when he's going to tell them how they're going to redeem, first he told them, well, let me tell you this, you're not redeemed this way. You're not redeemed by silver and gold received by tradition from your fathers. So what did they receive from the fathers? Again, in Mosaic Law. But let's look at it in verse 11. Exodus 30 and 11. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul. So here, they were to give a ransom for their soul. What were they to give? Unto the Lord. And when thou numberst them, that there be no plague among them, when thou numberst them. This shall they give every one that passeth among them that are numbered. Half shekel silver. Or half shekel, I added the word silver, but a half shekel. At the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel is twenty gerals, and a half shekel shall be an offering of the Lord. Everyone that passeth among them that are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. 
The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than a half shekel. When they give an, uh, an offering to the Lord to make atonement for your souls. So they were to give silver and gold half shekel as atonement for their souls. This is under the law. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shalt appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. So here he said those that were 20 years uh, and that were numbered, he said they were to take a half shekel. And he says, for atonement for their souls. This is under the law. But he says... You take that money, you put it, you take that silver, gold, and you put it into the, uh, the building of the tabernacle. And, and Gene, I've never done a full study on the tabernacle. I want to sometime, but uh, I guess I want to understand it all before I start, and that's why I don't start. So anyway, get bits and pieces of it here. But I know in the tabernacle, the boards and the sockets and things that, that were covered with silver. When Israel would see that, what did that mean? That was atonement money. So whenever they looked at that and, and saw this in the tabernacle, that was their atonement. So that's what Israel... Under the letter of the law, that's what they saw. Well, yeah, that's silver. That's, that silver is atonement for my soul. So under the letter of the law, that's what God gave them. That's what they were taught. Under the letter of the law, that silver, this silver that I'm giving is half shekel. That's atonement. That's what God said. It's atonement for your souls. Under the letter of the law. But what did Peter tell them in our text? Or well, not our text, but in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. He says, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. So, all these things under the letter of the law. He says, you weren't redeemed that way. And you can look at all the things under the letter of the law. The world thinks that's the way. But Peter says you weren't, you weren't redeemed by the letter of the law. You weren't redeemed by the things under the letter of the law. The world thinks they are. And Peter said this because they thought they were. But he says you weren't redeemed that way. He said, I know what the law says. But he also said that was a, we read it in, I think, Numbers. That's a token unto them. Token is... Is something, well, like whenever they did the, uh, the Passover, they put the blood on the linen on two side posts. He said that blood will be a token unto you. Token is something of no value that represents something of great value. So in this, uh, this said this will be a token unto you that you give this half shekel of silver. That's, that's a token. It wasn't a real thing. It represents uh, a, a something of great value. So Peter said here, I'll tell you how you're not redeemed. You're not redeemed by these things given to you from your fathers through the law of Moses. You weren't redeemed that way. And then he tells them, verse 19, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
So as we look, the unclean beast, unclean things, was either fit for destruction or the master had mercy on them and they were redeemed with a lamb. So we're not redeemed under things of the letter of the Mosaic law, which people look to, but not redeemed that way. Peter said, precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. That's how we're redeemed. And we certainly read by the scriptures we, we need redemption because we're always an unclean thing. And then it goes on there in verse uh, 20. For verily, or who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So this lamb without spot, without blemish, was ordained, preordained, predestined before the foundation of the world. And the father made the decision who he would redeem and who he would not before the foundation of the world. That's hated by the world. So we're redeemed, we're kept from destruction by uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, not by things received through the Mosaic law, silver and gold. That was all a token. And, and, we, and, and even the, the blood sacrifices of the law was all a token. The, I had the gentleman work with him for several years, and I told him, I said, you know, all the, those sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats, it didn't take away one sin. And his take on it was, boy, that was a big waste. Well, I never really looked at it that way, but it didn't take away one sin. It represented the blood of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. So this, uh, this woman uh, had this issue of blood, spent all of her living, everything the man had to offer, everything that she could do, and just grew worse. And the religious world, the more they try, the more they do, the more self-righteous they think themselves, they're just getting worse as far as that goes. And she got worse. So as we attempt to make ourselves clean, we only get worse. As Job said, even our clothes would abhor us. Well, what do we, when we was in that condition... What clothes did we wear? Well, we wore mixed garments. Our salvation is, our, our covering is, yeah, Christ is part of our covering, but man, we're our covering. So they wore mixed garments, and, and even that would abhor us. So she was made, this woman was made whole, made well by Jesus Christ, and we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. The Father making the decision, making election, making the choice. And uh, it's not flattering to man as we see this. Uh, again, it doesn't attract big crowds because they want to look to the silver and gold, the things under the law is what I'm speaking to. But as we see this, Peter made it very clear, you weren't redeemed, and it's so clear, you weren't redeemed this way, but you were redeemed this way. So the woman that had the issue of blood, and that's all, we're all unclean. You're not redeemed, you're not made clean this way, you can't clean yourself up. Only one way, through the blood of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We are dismissed.